It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. And championship weekend is underway in Melbourne with the women's final in the books and the men's final on deck. A thrilling finish as Arena Sabalenka and Elena Rybakina went the distance before a first-time major champion was crowned. Plus, Novak Djokovic is on the verge of a record-tying 22nd major title. Will a motivated Stefano Tsitsipas be able to derail history and claim his first slam? And we'll begin our countdown of the 10 hottest shots and prettiest points from the past two weeks in an Australian Open edition of Best of the Best. All those stories are stat of the day and much more over the next hour on Tennis Channel Live. There are two more trophies to hand out. It is the final day of the Australian Open. History is on the line tonight. Will we have a first-time major winner or a record-tying 22nd Grand Slam title? Welcome to TC Live, our pregame show to get you ready for all the action down under. The men's final under the lights on Rod Laver Arena. Novak Djokovic hoping to extend his own history with a 10th title in Melbourne. And Stefano Tsitsipas playing in his second major final, both coming against the Serbian legend. The guys are getting ready to go. There's Novak Djokovic. This the most meaningful major of his career. Looking to go 10 for 10 in finals here. And Ty Rafa Nadal with 22 Grand Slam singles titles. And Stefano Tsitsipas getting ready for the biggest match of his life said, these are the moments I've been working hard for. It's a Grand Slam final. I'm fighting for that number one spot. Happy the opportunity comes here in Australia because this is a place of significance. It's a significant day. Come on in. Great to have you here with us from our studios in Santa Monica. The squad back with you. John Wertheim, Lindsay Davenport, Steve Weissman, Prakash Amitraj. We will get you all set for the men's final tonight. But first, we got to get your initial thoughts, Lindsay, on that spectacular win women's championship. Yeah, it, it was so awesome to be able to see these two ladies play at such a high level. Not easy to do when you play similar styles. There was big hitting. We had two completely different personalities. We had an introvert. We had an extrovert. We had someone who wanted this more than anything. And I, I love how competitive it was. I love how Sabalenka just overcame so much, so many demons to be able to win her first Grand t Slam title. She deserved it more than anyone, the work she's been put in, and you could see it uh, on her face when she was able to win. You said this was wham against bam and power versus power, but it really was a nice match of contrast. And how often have we said this? I'm not sure there was a better women's match played, and it was the 127th match of the last one of the tournament. I do think we ought to do a quick little... Props to Rabakina as well, who I thought played. she played a great first set. She played a great match. She was so gracious yeah. in defeat as well. We'll talk about Sabalenka, but good for Rabakina. That, that moment after when she crossed the net and, and hugged her opponent was just marvelous to watch. And, Lindsay, you talk about how much she's had to overcome. It's so funny watching them play on Rod Laver Arena. I think back to an even younger Sabalenka, 2018. She's playing mm -hmm. Ash Barty there. Huge situation. And the crowd is, is you know, vividly mocking her grunts. And that's, that's just not something easy to get over, something that kind of stays with you. And in that same arena, mm. to be able to come out with your first slam trophy, special stuff. Now, arena's arena. Let's take you set by set through the women's final last night. 
It was a spectacular one. Fourth straight year that we've got a first-time major finalist in Melbourne, Sabalenka, putting her perfect season on the line against the reigning Wimbledon champion, Rabakna Prakash. This is the first set of action. Well, as John said, high-quality stuff right from the start. Now, early here in the first set, one all. Sabalenka, 40-15 up, rather, on her serve, looking like she's going to cruise through this game. But Rubakina fights back, puts enough pressure on Sabalenka to get a couple of errors, gets the break early, but Sabalenka doesn't go away. A huge key in this match for her, her backhand came up clutch in big moments here, is able to fight back, but Rubakina, body language has been great, didn't let it get to her, gets the break right back, and we saw a few extra doubles from Sabalenka in this match, and could have been the result of Rubakina really stepping in on that second serve, creating a little extra pressure and a tough spot for Sabalenka to come back from. After winning 20 sets in a row to start the year, Sabalenka going to have to play from behind for the very first time. First set goes to Elena Rybakina. And you take a look at the numbers. Sabalenka had five aces, but also five double faults. Rybakina, the clean sheet, 5-0, to zero, plus way better numbers on that second serve. So you think about what went on last year with Sabalenka. Were you getting a little worried that those double fault demons were creeping back in? Of course. And, you know, and also just second serve points one down at about 30 percent. And those aren't numbers that, are, that she has shown in 2023. And those aren't numbers that is going to help anybody win a major. And to start a match with a double and to get broken on a double, you definitely were feeling it for Sabalenka. A lot of credit to Rabakina, who it doesn't seem like anything phases her, right? Going to play a second Grand Slam final and walking out in front of that crowd, she just stays so calm. And she was the more solid of the two in that first set. I think she's got a lot of space to improve. I mean, Rubakina was the one coming to the net. She used a few slices and come in. She used a few drop shots and, and in. She's got a lot of variety. But, again, credit to Sabalenka for being able to bounce back from that. When everything's happening so fast in a final and you have an opponent that's just completely rushing you, it's not easy to slow things down. But she, she found a way to do that. I, I just thought mentally that was such a well-played first set, too, that for, for Sabalenka, we know about her struggles. We also know the biggest match of her career. She's never been in a final before. And then you're thinking the other side of the net, Rabakina wins Wimbledon. It's kind of a weird Wimbledon. There are no ranking points. And then she comes back six months later in another major final and turns in a set like that. I think this, this is a cool customer. <laughs> All right, so how would Sabalenka respond after dropping her first set of the season? To the second set we go, and Elena Rabakina in this one would not be able to keep that level up, although she did have a couple of break points in the first game. And this was really a turning point where Rabakina actually had two break points to get up a set and a break in a Grand Slam final. Sabalenka found a way to get through that first game, and really everything changed. Her energy changed. She had a little more pep in her step, and it was just a couple of games later, she was able to get up a break. And it, she started serving better once she started hitting out more from the back of the court. The double fault woes went away. Yeah, she started to find a better location, and she wins the second set. She carried that momentum early in the third, but these two both really upped their games in the early part of this third set. Both of them were looking to kind of get that lead, and they weren't able to do it. Just loved the resolve shown by Sabalenka, and she finally gets a break in that seventh game, and you think, okay, is she going to be able to get yeah, through this? Her forehand speed in that seventh game, Lindsay, went up 10 miles an hour from 77 to 87. And this was her fourth yeah, championship point. Had a double fault, Lindsay, on the third. It, it was a tight game to get through, but then you could just see all the happiness from Sabalenka. What a moment.
first major title. Soak it in. I was a little bit nervous, but I was keep telling myself, like, nobody, nobody tells you that it's going to be easy. You just have to work for it and work for it till the end, till the last point. And oh, I'm just super happy, super happy, proud, and I don't know how to explain. Just the best. It seems like not seems it's like the best day of my life right now. <laughs> I had some chances, for sure, to turn it around. But uh, yeah, she played really well today. She was strong uh, mentally, physically. So yeah, uh, overall, as I said, it was a good, uh, good two weeks uh, for me here. What a match. 17 aces for Sabalenka. That's the most since 2008. One off her career high. 51 winners, 20 more than Rabakina. And after five double faults in the first set, Sabalenka had just two more the rest of the way, generated nearly double the breakpoint chances, and converted one more than Rabakina. John, what impressed you the most here? We'll start with the serve. We were saying yesterday, and I think quite rightly, that did Rabakina have the best serve in women's tennis right now? Well, Sabalenka had almost twice as many aces. 17 aces. Even taking those away, she still had 34 winners. So, I mean, this was just statistically a really clean match, and the fact that it only got better for her. Boy, you, you play in your first major final, and you have 51 winners and 17 aces. That's a job well done. Tennis, of course, was sensationally impressive, but I'm going to take a step back here. And Arena's been really open about sharing her journey and how she's gotten to this space that she has mentally right now. She said, you know, when people used to come up and ask me for autographs, I used to think to myself, why do they want my autograph? I I'm, I'm a nobody. And, you know, she said she was showing respect to so many other people, but she didn't have very much respect for herself. And I think this process of finding self-love, I mean, we learn so many great lessons from sports, but it's a beautiful lesson. Listen, the world meets you where you meet yourself. And the fact that Arena has really opened it up and kind of shown that to us, beautiful thing to watch. I mean, last year, more than 400 double faults on the season. I mean, there were multiple matches where she would have more than 20 double faults. And to be able to have five in that first set, double fault on really big moments, Lindsay, and still come through, what does that show you? Yeah, I mean, she has done a remarkable job of really owning her serve. She got through to this final without really being tested. I was so impressed that she was able to turn this final around after losing her first set of the whole season. She went through Adelaide and won the tournament and then all the way through here. And it was in Adelaide last year, Steve where the serve really came to a head. It, it, it was really hard to watch. And, and this is a player who was one of her best serves. She was not injured. No. And she owned this after talking about how she just doesn't know why she can't serve. She was scared to hit out. She kept trying to play. There's so many players that would have walked off the court. She went to the underhand serve. This is how bad it was. It continued into the Australian Open in tears on the court. It was so hard to watch. It was so hard to see a player go through this. We talk about the yips. Sometimes we laugh about it. But it was real for Sabalenka. So fast forward just 12 months. She gets to a Grand Slam match point, And what does she do on the first one? She double falls. I've got to tell you, most people would have crumbled. And here is this player that has worked so hard physically, so hard mentally, had a mental coach for a little bit, got rid of it, and is now owning it herself. Match point number two doesn't get that one either. And if you're watching this, you're thinking, oh, my goodness, is this really going to happen? And then another opportunity for Kosh, championship point number three. Listen, when you get close and close and closer to your dream, that's when it gets the toughest. And the fact that she had to go through all of these demons, it's so poetic that she came up with a double fault there on one of those match points before she was able to finally get over the hump. 
it probably just makes it even more sweeter. Yeah. Yeah, you think about coming back from a set down for the first time all season, hadn't dropped one since 2020. No woman has come back more from a set down at majors than Arena Savalenka. Eight times, John. Why do you think she's so good and also, in those situations? She brought this up, so I don't feel like this is trolling. She also said she also has the record in that time for winning the first set and then losing. Uh, <laughs> no, I mean, I think some of this is just the power that she can bring to bear. I mean, I don't know if you saw on those serves. I mean, those second serves were licking the line. So that, in some ways, great for her for being so bold, but that could have been even uglier. But no, I mean, what, what we see is someone who, you said this the other day, she's owned this. When she had those yips in Adelaide, she said, I'm not injured. It's all right here. And she had biomechanics coaches. She's talked about the therapy she's undergone. She did everything she could. And 12 months later, she's winning majors. It's, it's a great story. Uh, I think it's a great example of when there's some issue that you're dealing with or a weakness, demons, whatever it may be, it's not avoiding it and being able to move on. Mm. It's, it's meeting it head on. You know, you got to go tackle it. You got to embrace it. You got to live with it. And you got to figure out a way to work through it. And she's had to do that in the public eye. I mean, you know, that was brutal last year. Watch, right. Watching that footage of her yeah. crying and so forth, it just makes Underhand. you... Uh, and that wasn't, that, that wasn't the only match either. I mean, she right. went into the Australian right. Open. She was serving 20-plus double faults the, uh, the first yes. few rounds. Yeah. I mean, this was, this was all happening. But in an individual sport... The, the, the motto is don't show any weakness. Right. So it's like you, you learn to maybe talk about it with your team, but not really go into press or talk about it so all the other players know. She wasn't scared of that at all. I mean, she, like, talk about confronting something. She did the opposite of what you're really taught to do in an individual sport. I got to get treatment for my shoulder because you probably saw I couldn't rotate. She yeah. said, listen, this is not a physical. Yeah. She had six double faults in the very first service game of the 2022 Australian Open. I mean, it's to see her overcome that. Yeah. She went straight Taylor Swift. She said, it's me. Hi, I'm the problem. It's me. From anti-hero to hero. And putting the rest of the entire tour in a lavender haze. Uh, take a look at the what we call a hero board for Arena Sabalenka. First major singles title. She gets to number two. And by the way, Iga's got a lot of points to defend. And she is no longer infallible, Lindsay. Do you think... Sabalenka gets to number one at some point this I mean, year. You always say this, how, like, you send a message to the rest of the players in the locker room. This was a message to everyone. Like, I have done absolutely everything. Let's see if you can now. It's also a, sends a message to a player like Jabir, who's just trying so hard to win a major, not quite there. You look at Sabalenka, and we see she's transformed mentally. She's also transformed herself physically mm -hmm. by putting in so much hard work. She talked about how, what did she want to do? Just have sugar, because she hasn't had any sugar <laughs> right. for, like, this whole run in Australia. So, I think... I think the sky's the limit for her if she continues. I mean, we've seen other players win a major and maybe their game dips. I don't get the sense that's going to happen from Sabalenka, and I think that someone like Sviantek and those other top players know that, okay, now we really have to be wary of Sabalenka. We always talk about the state of the game. You know, what do we think of all the young players and the players winning right now as far as the WTA is concerned? And I think Sabalenka is one of the best players for the game. She's got such a beautiful personality. She kind of opens up a ton. And even after winning this, whether she was, you know, winning or losing, difficult times, good times, she's, she's got a, such a wonderful way about her. It kind of brings you in mm. to the fold. And uh, I think her winning Grand Slams... Great thing for the game. And bear in mind, uh, my, my sources tell me it is likely she will play Wimbledon. We were talking about having this conversation. Remember, this is a player that was banned from playing Wimbledon last year. So who knows how different her ranking might have been. With that kind of game and that kind of power, I'd like to see that on grass. Yep. So uh, much different year this year than it was last year for her. The Wimbledon champ, Rubakina, will get into the top ten That's for the first good. time in her life. So that was a great tournament for her as well. And Sabalenka, 58th woman 
in the Open Era to win a major title. Major congratulations to Arena Sabalenka. The live men's final on ESPN, 3.30 a.m. Eastern. We will have an encore for you at 1 p.m. Eastern. And then the four of us back to break it down. Will it be Djokovic or Tsitsipas raising the trophy? Still to come? Well, we're talking about it. They met in a major final two years ago. So how will that experience play into tonight's match? John Lindsay and Prakash let you know. TC Live at the Australian Open is brought to you in part by Tennis Express. We deliver tennis right to your front door. Order today, ships today. And by Bet365, the world's favorite sports book. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. TC Live, we are just hours away from the men's final in Melbourne. Novak Djokovic against Stefano Tsitsipas. All of the latest odds and expert picks on the way. Steve Weissman back in our studio. And with a 35-year-old Djokovic playing a 24-year-old Tsitsipas, it's the largest age gap ever between opponents in the Australian Open men's singles final. In fact, if Tsitsipas wins, he would be the youngest man to take the title here since a 23-year-old Djokovic back in 2011. For more stories like that, maketennis.com, your online information source throughout the Australian Open and the entire season. Right now, Steve Tigner and Joel Drucker go back and forth in a new edition of the rally. Djokovic versus Tsitsipas, a clash of generations, playing styles, and fan bases. Now time for the Daily Forecast with Fox Weather. I'm Fox Weather's Jane Menard, and here is today's Australian Open forecast. We're looking at the weather in Melbourne, Australia. A mix of sunshine with temperatures in the 70s for our tennis pros. You can download the Fox Weather app or stream Fox Weather from your favorite connected TV device. All right, thanks, Jane. Some clouds in the sky right now. When we come back, all the insight and analysis on the men's final. Can Stefano Tsitsipas end a five-year run of mastery by Novak Djokovic? Lindsay, John, and Prakash have the answers. Back on TC Live, let's check out the Tennis Express head-to-head -head between Novak Djokovic and Stefano Tsitsipas. 13th meeting between these two. Djokovic leads 10-2, has won the last nine matches. They have played in five previous finals. Djokovic has won all of those. And this is their third match at a major. Let's take a listen to both players before they take the court. I'm going to play against... Uh... Tsitsipas, who is in a great, great shape, great form, has been playing some of his best tennis. Um, and I'm sure that he's going to be very motivated to win his first Grand Slam title. I know his game pretty well. He knows my well. You know, of course, I'm privileged to be in this position and I'm hoping for the best. Being in the finals here means a lot. Uh, having started here as one of my first junior Grand Slams and being now um, in the finals of the, of the men's event is... Uh, as important as my very first steps that I took on the tennis court. I'm going to grasp this opportunity and uh, get myself ready for this big day. 
Can't wait for this one. Uh, let's start with Novak Djokovic, John. In 12 months, he has gone from being deported to a date with Grand Slam destiny. What has impressed you most with his game the past two weeks? Yeah, I mean, plenty else has transpired, too, in the last year. There have been events where he, by, by choice, hasn't played. He's had run-ins with governments. I mean, even here in Australia, where he really tried to sort of have this charm offensive, there have been some hiccups, there's been the hamstring, and he just keeps winning. And I think at some level we say, well, you know, he compartmentalizes, you said yesterday, or he uses conflict as fuel. He's just really, really good when the match starts. And he can have a lousy set. I mean, he, he had 24 unforced errors. That's, that's a set worth against Tommy Paul. And he still managed to win that set. So I think even at 80% physically, even at 80% tactically, technically, he's still that much better than the field. And again, I've said this every day, so maybe I'm undercutting my point, but we don't even talk about his age, 35 years old. And he's as good as ever. It's just, it's extraordinary. And he's even better here, Prakash. 40 matches in a row that he's won in Australia, 27 straight at the Australian Open. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's outstanding. But he just he has such a great view of the macro while being able to focus on the micro. You know, he's, he's a little bit unlike Rafa in that he's gone out and said, listen, my goal here is to have as many Grand Slams yeah. as everyone, and I, there's no bones about it. But at the same time, He's still so meticulous with his every single day, all the little things that he needs to do. Lindsay, you and I were talking about it earlier today. It's, it's mind-boggling to me with the success that he's had, how much he's already won in his career, that he's still willing to make the sacrifice that's needed, not just for himself, his family, everyone else around him, to be able to perform at this level. It still means so much to him. And that's a, I mean, that, that's something inside you. That's an innate quality that uh, we just don't see, even amongst a lot of the greats in different sports. It's so unique. It, it absolutely is. And you take a look at his road to the title here, and he started out the tournament talking about that hamstring. He was worried. He wasn't practicing on his off days. But starting with his match against Alex Dimonor, Djokovic said he believed he could win it all, calling it the best match he has played all year. That form continued, Lindsay, against Andre Rublev and Tommy Paul. Yeah, everything changed in the round of 16 for Novak. We were unsure after those first three rounds. Wasn't playing his best. He was grimacing. Remember when he yep. was pulling up, not running for shots those first couple of rounds? That all changed the these last three matches, barely losing games. He was back to dominating, and it stayed the same in the semifinal against Tommy Paul. Got off to that huge lead 5-1. Never see this from Novak. Got back to 5-all. This was the only time where we thought maybe he was a little vulnerable, and he was able to reset at 5-all like no other player we've seen. Then he was able to cruise. Tommy Paul really had a hard time of figuring out, how do I end these points against Novak? Do I go for more? Do I try and come in? Novak seems to have answers for everything out here on these hard courts. Sitsipas is going to have to do something special and something different if he's going to be able to win in Melbourne. Djokovic said in the final stages of a slam, you can expect to have one or two or three crises. He overcomes them better than anyone else. So Steph may have to create four or five or six crises for him to come on top in this match. Hasn't beaten Novak Djokovic since 2019. You take a look at the road two for Sitsipas and uh, a couple more bumps and stumbles, you could say. Didn't drop a set until the fourth round when he went the distance with Yannick Sinner and then got a four-set win over Corinne Hatchinoff in the semis, Prakash. Yeah, I agree with what John said earlier this week. I mean, this is as ideal a way to get to the final as possible. Mostly comfortable three-setters. He did have that match against Sinner where he was the better player, just dropped those third and fourth sets. That battle with Hatchinov, it, it, it was a bit of time on court, but I think what really impressed me, having that match point, being able to bounce back after that third set with a strong fourth, 
Big stuff mentally. Can draw a lot of confidence from that. This is the last time these two met in a major. Whether they remember it or not, Tsitsipas took a suit two sets to love lead at Roland Garros Prakash. Look, he, he shows you why he's one of the heavyweights of the game. It's amazing to me on a clay court how strong his one-handed backhand can be. You can see how heavy he's able to get the ball. I mean, this is a big guy. He has Djokovic by like, probably about 20, 25 pounds at least. He's, he's one of those guys that can really impose his will on you. But as we know, best of five sets, there's no one better than wearing you down than Novak Djokovic. And he just he hung in there, and towards the end, Steph just didn't have the legs. And again, as we've seen time and time again, Novak Djokovic, the last man standing. So he likes to play the young guys in best of five because he feels, even if they're leading, I like my chances. Uh, since that final, Tsitsipas has lost eight of nine sets to Novak Djokovic. So do you believe that those memories are more beneficial or harmful for him being so close or letting it slip away? Harmful. harmful. <laughs> I think he'd love to have a little bit more success going into such a big match. The thing that Tsitsipas has going for him is he can do some things that some of these other players Novak has played in this tournament cannot do. And he's going to have to use all his tools. He's been backing up to return second serves to try and get more forehands. He's going to have to mix that in. He's going to have to chip and charge on some second serves. He's got to do something to really fluster Novak. A match played at the baseline is not going to work for Sitsipas. Can he finish points off at net? Can he hit enough shots off his front foot? He's got to muster also that belief, mm. having been whatever it is, four years, three and a half years since he's been able to beat him. He's going to have to kind of play mind games with himself that it's a new Sitsipas, it's a new year, and he can do this on a hard court. Novak is so good at neutralizing strategy. We heard Tommy Paul say, well, I need to be aggressive. I need to go to the net. We saw that Tofton Lob go over his head. Tommy Paul won eight points at the net. That wasn't what he was thinking. So for Steph, we're going to say he's going to take cuts at that second serve. He's got to have a good service day. And even so, Novak is so good at that. I, I just think also that two sets to love lead last time you played this guy in a major. So Sitsipas... Say he wins the first two sets, and, uh, you know, <laughs> that's what he's drawing on. Yeah. Exactly. So, um, yeah, I think the funny thing, too, about this head-to-head, Sitsipas sort of made his name early. I mean, he beat Novak Djokovic when Sitsipas was a teenager. Mm. He won two of the last three matches. Two of those were at Masters 1. Those are great wins to sort of get your career going. Hey, I'm beating Novak Djokovic. Since then, nine defeats. It's also, it's, it's been, you know, we're, go- we're going on four years here. It's, it's, it's been a while. So, uh, Sits will, you know, it, what, he, Played the match of his life. I mean, he's played great coming in. He also he won five matches even before. He's had a great season so far, but I, I think this is a lot to ask. He's 10-0 and in the year. Djokovic is 11-0 and in the year. You've yeah. talked very highly about Tsitsipas from the start of this tournament. Yep. You've also talked very highly about Novak, too. I mean, they're the two best right now. What does Tsitsipas need to do to come through? Well, I, I think it's going to come down to a few things. Elaborating on what Lindsay said, he's got to play off the front foot. And again, find his opportunities to do so. Four or fewer shots in the rally, he's won 44 more points than all of his opponents this tournament. Novak Djokovic, on the other hand, nine or more shots in the rally, he's, he's the best player in the world by far. So it's pretty clear Steph needs to make the points a little bit shorter. Another intangible, Steph's gone out of his way to really get the crowd on his side yep. this entire two weeks. I think he's got to get the crowd involved. Novak, and sometimes he uses it to his advantage, he gets a little flustered out there and he's able to work through it, but I think Steph's got to play into that as well. And the last thing, he's got to get off to a good start. Yeah. I just think, you know, this kind of record in the semis and finals, Novak gets up a set on you, yeah. you know, he's going to steamroll. So you've got to try to grab that for a set. 
And then there's that added bonus that's at stake I as well. Know, right? The world number one is on the line for the winner of this match for the second straight major as our fine producer Panda, Panda tweeted in. <laughs> second straight major, the men's world number one will be decided by the winner of this final. Panda's been working the overnights with Brett and Paul throughout the two weeks here at the Australian Open. And, uh, that, I mean, that's a big deal. Different, different players, too. It's interesting. Because right. it was uh, it was Alcaraz and Casper Ruud in New York. Now it's two here. But, yeah, a lot riding on this match here. Interesting. Just a few months later, it seems like it's really far from Casper Ruud yeah, now. Right. Doesn't it? And yeah, so if yeah, you're Sitsipas, right, right. right, you were like, well, I better take advantage of this now if I can. Because right. you just never know what happens and, and how quickly it can kind of maybe that opportunity slips away. Yeah. Also be the first Greek player to win a major. Yeah. I mean, this, right. this a is lot. a big time. A Match Let for Stefano Sensibastra. Yeah. yeah, we will uh, break down the odds, the bet 365 odds for this match. Who's favored and who's going to take more sets? But when we return, we look back on the legendary life of Hall of Famer Dick Savage. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. 72 years ago and fresh off his senior year at Cornell, Dick Savitt became the first Jewish player to win the Australian Championships. He would go on to capture the Wimbledon title that same year, a rare feat for an American player at the time. I was lucky that Herbie Flam didn't go to Australia and that they called me and I went and played for three months on the grass every day, day and night. And uh, I got lucky in the Australian Championships and uh, that's how I got to be kind of a player. I got lucky in June at Wimbledon, so just fortunate that I got to make that trip. Savitt's career would be marked by bouts of prejudice stemming from his faith. That included being snubbed for the U.S. Davis Cup team despite being the number two player in the world at the time. But Dick Savitt was never deterred. Tennis uh, changed my life a great deal, and uh, oh, I, I would advise anybody to play. Of course, again, it's so different now as compared to when I played. Today, it's uh, just a professionally organized game where players are playing for the money, they're playing in big arenas. In my time, they played in smaller places and you got to know all the different members and the different clubs and the people in different cities, a lot more socializing after the matches, during the matches. It was just a different way of life. Though the New Jersey native never turned pro due to the uncertainties of the professional game at the time, he would go on to have a successful business career and eventually retired living in New York. He was enshrined into the International Tennis Hall of Fame in 1976. At age 95, shortly after the new year, Dick Savitt passed away. But his memory and his championship legacy will live on. Savitt is one of just four American men to win the Australian Open and Wimbledon in the very same year. In that piece, Brett touched upon the anti-Semitism that he faced in the 1950s. What more can you add to that, John? Well, by, by all rights, he should have been on the Davis Cup team that year, was left off. I, you know, later, he learned the full extent to which it was just blatant anti-Semitism. Because he was Jewish, they replaced him with another player. He did not make 
much of a stink of it at the time, but later he talked about that. And, you know, this is someone who was not raised in country clubs, a self-taught player. This is also somebody who had a great prominence in tennis well after he retired. Yeah, he was inducted into the International Jewish Sports Hall of Fame in 1979, went to school in upstate New York at Cornell, but Columbia held a special place in his heart. Uh, how close did he stay to the game in New York City? Yeah, very much so. This was, this was someone who was really a man about town, sort of a bon vivant in, in New York. Long after he was done playing tennis, you would see him at, at courts, and he came to Sports Illustrated, you see him at parties, and Columbia not far from where he lived in Manhattan, so he was very involved with with Columbia tennis, even though, as you say, I, he played basketball as, yeah. as well at Cornell, so uh, a real athlete, but he sort of shifted his uh, school alliances there. Yeah, I had the privilege of playing on those courts, uh, Dick Savitt Tennis Center at Columbia University, spectacular tennis bubble there right, at right. the university. Uh, Dick Savitt will certainly be missed by the entire tennis community. He was a self-taught champion, never took a lesson, Dick Savitt, major contributor to a wide range of tennis-related causes, including the Israel Tennis and Education Center's also a mentor to greats like Arthur Ashe and Vitas Gerolaitis. Dick Savitt was 95 years old. Back after this. Sabalenka, the Australian Open women's champion, came from a set down to beat Elena Rybakina, get her first major singles title inside Rod Laver Arena. Another arena putting her name on the trophy and the entire tennis world celebrating with her on this massive moment. Victoria Azarenka, Jesse Pagula, our own Tracy Austin, all offering their congratulations on a well-deserved title that most of us thought it was her time. It was due. She'd never been passed a semifinal before at a major, but now she's perfect in finals, Lindsay. Yeah, it was great to see that. Uh, and you really get a sense of how well-liked a player is. I mean, there were so many other messages as well going to her. Badosa, I mean, you could go down the list of all the players. She's very well-liked. She has this, like, you know, she had this crazy personality on court, so intense and <laughs> so extroverted, and that everybody liked her off the court, you know, and I think that was a really great sign for her, and she was able to control her emotions as well in the biggest match of her career. Well done. Now call her the ambassador of calm, right? <laughs> I like how you're playing that wise. By the way, she's a great follow on social media. She is. You got, you got to follow her. All forms. I mean, you can go Instagram, you go TikTok, you go Twitter, whatever you want, John, uh, and she moves up to number two in the world. Number two, remember, uh, she did not play Wimbledon. Um, look, there are now three major champions in the top ten, which is still obviously uh, a, a low number, but uh, Iga stays well ahead at number one. We have a new number two, and nice to see, despite the absence of Wimbledon points, nice to see Rebecca coming into the top ten now. John, what do you think? Elena Rubakina, uh, I believe, is in qualies of, of Doha coming up. We might need to do something about it. She, she might need to get a walkout or something like that. So, so you win Wimbledon, you get to the finals of another major, and then the very next event, you go to Doha to play the qualifying round. Tournament cutoffs are done six weeks right. ahead right. of time. Right. But there's I don't like it. players could pull out, but yeah. It, Company I, line. If, if, <laughs> if something didn't happen, like if there's no wild card, you, if I were a team, you do not put her in qualies. No chance. Yeah, yeah you, just, you take the time, yeah. right? Hot yeah. take. Whatever you feel about this this Russian incursion, and we all agree that withholding ranking points, not not a good move. Let's hope they don't do that again. It, with those no 2,000 points, she'd be number five in the yeah, world exactly. right tough. now. Right. So tough. That's, that's, yeah. yeah. 
Quality's at the next tournament. You just get to a major final. Yeah. She's used to playing outer court, so that, yeah. that might help. No more court 13 no, at the Australian not. Open for Hope Elena Rybakina. Uh, the doubles had some major matches yesterday as well. How about all four players trying to win their first Grand Slam titles? we got the Aussie wildcards, Ranky Hishikata and Jason Kubler facing Hugo Nice and Jan Yelinski jump. Not named for custom to seeing in major finals, but that's what makes it fun. Remember last year, Australian wildcards wild won yeah. the title. Uh, curious and Kokonakis. Um, no alliterations, but this is Rinky in, in the orange, former North Carolina uh, Tar Heel. This is great stuff. This is really entertaining crowd. Loves their doubles to begin with. They obviously like the homegrown team that much more. Kubler and Aussie spends a lot of time in Sacramento area. Um, he's had a nice career, but had some injuries, so nice to see this. And look at these points. Again, Steve, we're obsessed with the stats and doubles, so I'm giving you real quick. 19 winners, only one run for there. They take the title, the wild card. This was great stuff. <laughs> was amazing. Um, that point is out of control. <laughs> Gonna give a, a new definition to the term Winky Dick. <laughs> Come on now. One unforced error. Look at that. That's great to see. Ugh. Aussie Wildcards forever champions at the home slam. All right. Czech duo of Barbara Krejcikova and Katarina Siniakova. They've won 23 straight Grand Slam matches, Lindsay. I don't even know which way to go anymore with my guaranteed pick, Steve. I, I, you would think that would yeah. be Krejci. <laughs> yeah, the check. <laughs> exactly. Um, to be a favorite to win this, but... Japanese duo playing their first major final, former UCLA star Ena Shibahara and Shuko Aoyama. Yep. So they should... played so well to beat Goff and Pagula. Yes, so. yes. All right, let's look at the junior boys doubles final featuring future USC Trojan learner Tien. Championship point. Come look on. at the finish. Around the post. Kevin Hart would say, Prakash, you got learner today. You got learner today. Lerner Tien takes the title in the doubles, defeats Alexander Blocks and Zhao Fonseca. Now, the Junior Boys singles final would also feature Tien and Blocks. Tien trying to be the second straight American to sweep the junior singles and doubles. Bruno Kuzuhara did it last year, Prakash. Well, listen, if you're an American fan, this was tough to watch. I mean, we were all pulling for Lerner here. Gets off to a rough start here in this first set. Let me tell you yeah, something. This Alexander Blox, he has got a monster forehand here. I mean, you can see the way he clubs after it, but Lerner, he's got those quick wheels, and he's got a big forehand himself. Fights back here in the second set. As you said, Steve, trying to make it that double. Wouldn't that be sweet to leave Australia with that? Is able to show, again, those wheels, beautiful forehand, and again here, puts the backhand away, closes out this second set. Third set goes down to the absolute wire. Now, let's keep in mind, this is a breaker that goes to 10, so there isn't a match point, but still some spectacular hands here from the Belgian. Has to really get low, almost down to his knees there. You talk about going down to the wire. It's down to 11-9 the blocks to be able to close it out. He is the first Belgian boys singles champ at the Aussie Open. It is spelled block X, like a crypto exchange. I'd be buying on his futures. <laughs> that, is a, that is a tall young man, and, and he's got a big-time game. But so does Lerner Tien, able to get one title and another just points away from winning both. Yeah, he's still 17 years old as well and grow, grew up in Southern California here, developed his game at the USTA facility in Carson. Now, 
first day of classes in person for Lerner on Monday at USC. He's going to miss the dual matches this weekend, <laughs> traveling back from Australia. But he's a great hope. He won the Kalamazoo Nationals last year in 18 and under. He's got a lot of talent. Now going to go try his hand in collegiate tennis mm -hmm. as well. But he can still play Kalamazoo again this summer to try and get a wild card again to the main draw of the U.S. Open. He lost in four sets to Kitsmanovich last year with that opportunity. He's got a really bright future. Even in those highlights, you saw a lot of variety, a lot of game. I mean, this looks like something really knows how to maneuver a tennis ball. I do. I mean, you make a great successful trip like that, but you lose 7-6, 11-9 in the decisive breaker. Um, that's that's a little bit of a sting. But, uh, no, a lot bright future for uh, a doubles player, too. I, I, for one, am, I'm so happy that he's going to college. And, no, I'm not just saying that because he's going to USC. <laughs> yeah. I, think it's, I just think it's really smart for him. We already know he has the game. Listen, if you're playing four sets with Kachmanovic at the U.S. Right. Open, you can already play. But you go to college, you, you mature as an individual. I just think this faster you can mature as an individual, that just exponentially helps your tennis. And when you get a look at this kid right here, he is so sweet. Man, he is still so young. He's, he's got a giant future ahead of him. And um, college is just a huge part of being able to grow that. From Rod Laver Arena to David X Mark Stadium. <laughs> <laughs> Why not? Why not? Why not? Right. Courthouse. More, more fans you're, you're probably you're watching it at X Marks, by the way, than, no. than they were watching it later. Listen, it's a great uh, indicator of players who can make it. Not all of them right. do, but again, it was Corda just a few years ago yes. winning on the same court in the exactly. juniors. And they always, at the Australian Open, they have the pictures of the former junior champions. And it's amazing to see how many of them became successful pros. Lerner Tien might be the next one. Brett Macy hopes so. <laughs> and uh, the USC Trojans, as they're actually playing right now in a dual match. Still to come on the show, there have been some jaw-dropping shots from the past two weeks. We start our countdown of the best of the best from the Australian Open. Plays 10 through 6 coming up. Lindsay John Prakash, Steve, back on TC Live, where the tennis never stops. Here's next week's schedule on Tennis Channel and TC Plus. David Nankin, Deed Goldfine leading Team USA in Davis Cup qualifying. Plus the WTA with two separate events, some big names in action. Bianca Andreescu, Yulia Putin, Seba, and more. Time for us to start our countdown to the most spectacular shots in Melbourne. Here's the best of the best, 10 through 6. That's just big hitting there. Oh, wow. that's an amazing point. Oh, my goodness. Mark that down for best of the best. <laughs> Tremendous get from Angebeur. That is athletic. Oh, wow. terrific tennis from Krajcikova. Defense, defense, and able to come forward and find that winner. This is going to be fun. <laughs> that was a great point.
got going. Now he's feeling a lot better. We're good. Tomorrow, though, we are counting down five through one. Sunday's edition of TC Live. Final thoughts and picks on who's going to win tonight coming up next. That music can only mean one thing. Warthon's stat of the day. The theme of this whole tournament, Sabalenka and ridding her game of double faults. How much so? Sometimes we have these stats and we forget that they're cumulative, right? So aces in a tournament doesn't really mean much because we don't know how many games, how many matches, even how many sets those encompass. Look here, though. She was at 3.1 double faults, and this is her set in 2022. Now she's down to 2.2. But bear in mind, because she is double faulting so many fewer times, her sets are a lot shorter. So even with that 30% drop-off, it actually is misleading. So she's really cut these double faults out of her game. It has made all the difference, and she's a champion. Well explained. Bet365 match preview. Sitsipas, Djokovic. Djokovic, the favorite. Minus 500 for Kashi. You put in some of your hard-earned coin Oof. on Stefano Sitsipas. Oof. I-, I wish we could do a little something like, if Steph wins the first set, then my money could kick in or something like that. But <laughs> you can live bet. You can live bet. You know, well, I mean, if we were live betting, I mean, look, straight up, it, it, it's it's always been Novak. I, I believe we had an off-the-wall segment many moons ago yep. where I had to pick a male winner. And um, what kind of man would I be if I didn't stick to my word? There's <laughs> <laughs> your male winner. <laughs> you did pick Novak Djokovic. How when many sets did This was, this uh, was earlier in, in uh, the two weeks. Ma- many okay. moons ago. Yeah. Many okay. moons ago. Pre-taped it before the show. You yeah, didn't even I know what was happening. I picked Sabalenka and Novak, so. And there you go. No, I don't know. <laughs> I'm just kidding. How many kidding. sets do you think this is going to go That's tonight? That's a good question. Four. Okay. I think Setsipas gets a set, but I just think Novak on this court and how well he's been playing, also how motivated he is. He's playing for so much, and you just don't get the sense he's going to stop till he accomplishes everything he wants to. Never lost a final. I have a hard time. I mean, again, I I can see Setsipas getting a set. I can see a little drama. The crowd's getting into it. There's a little controversy, but in the end, I have a really hard time seeing Setsipas winning three of those. I'd love to see it. Uh, I want to see him get that for a slam, but just this yeah. place, this guy, too tough to bet against at night. Yeah. So yeah. O- over night under two. that four and a half breaks, you think Djokovic gets five breaks? You go over that? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Going over on the, on the prop on Djokovic, bet. Yeah, yeah. Djokovic's okay. side. Sure. Interesting. Uh, it, it seems like you all have already made your picks, but I'll, I'll let you, you know, do your little diatribe oh, wow. a little John. longer. Right. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Yeah, uh, I, I think. Lerner Tian had match point. Yeah, I, he, 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 he was, he was right there. But before John is allowed to make his well official D. pick for well today, D. I think we got to have a little payout here. I mean, oh, that's right. Yeah. The push-ups. Oh, we, I, I push-ups. was not in that. We, you were not in that. No. It, was a, it was just a one-on-one, mano-mano <laughs> bet. We go off air in two and a half minutes. Okay. Come on, John. First, I must stretch. Need to limber up a little bit. I respect that. Okay. You don't want to pull a muscle or something. But, um, uh, and by the way, if you lose, Taylor Fritz is your partner for the next Pictionary game. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, that's going to be a problem. Spon- SpongeBob. <laughs> you guys are losing uh, if he's drawing. Yeah. <laughs> SpongeBob. I don't know. All right. No back. 
I'm picking him first. You guys are not. Yeah. You're going back to 500. Potentially. Novak, come on. Should we pick the same person? Nope. I no? <laughs> I like the checks to win in doubles. Four That's smart. Yeah, yeah, there you major. go. Barbara Kuchikova, Siakova, yeah. four straight majors for the checks. There you go. Right. Okay, well, listen, if we're not allowed to pick the same person, mm -hmm. uh, I will, I'll go with the long shot. Why not? I'll go with the long shot. I, I have said, even though I think Novak is going to win, Steph has a shot. Steph has the game to do it. He's got the belief to be able to get it done. I firmly believe that he believes he can do it. So, you know what? For the sake of camaraderie here, good. I'll go with Steph. Very good I'll take you. the plus 350. <laughs> Why not? Noble. Take a listen to these win streaks that are on the line for Novak Djokovic. 40 in Australia, 27 at the Aussie Open, 18 against the top five in Australia, 16 <laughs> matches overall, 14 sets, nine Aussie Open finals, nine against Tsitsipas. So but my, good my, job. My pick, no <laughs> my pick is Novak. My pick is Novak. I'll share the pick. I mean, those numbers are absurd. So you're saying yeah. Uh, yeah. there's no chance. No, it's, uh, it's those numbers are comedy. I mean, it's just we forget how good these guys really are and how consistent they are, too. It's extraordinary. I mean, Nadal-esque yeah, from right, Paris, right. right? Exactly. Yeah. Very comparable. I mean, I ask it uh, rhetorically, but is anyone else more comfortable being uncomfortable than Novak Djokovic? Yeah. Uh, that could be the answer. We'll have the Encore 1 p.m. Eastern here on Tennis Channel TC Live with all the highlights and analysis coming your way at 5 Eastern one more time. Thanks for watching the show. We will see you back here tomorrow.